Welcome everybody to the After Ed Podcast with Jason Vest, where we interview thought leaders, educators, and students from around the world, people that just aren't content with the status quo. Why should you listen to me? Because I'm an educator right there in the trenches doing it every single day. Please tune in. I'm so fortunate to have uh, Rebecca Chambers. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I'm honored to be asked. So, um, Rebecca, I just discovered um, all of the greatness that you were doing. And so to that point, I'm just going to kind of go through here and uh, talk about uh, what you do briefly. And then we'll just kind of get into it. And you can share about the awesomeness that uh, you have going on in Ottawa. Uh, So you are currently a high school teacher. Um, you're teaching social science to uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. Um, I love that you uh, have a self-described classroom uh, of controlled chaos, but I'm really, really excited and just so happy to see that uh, what you were doing uh, is really focused in student-centered work and innovative uh, spaces and, and environments. Um, and I love that you threw in uh, Don Wetrick's uh, trying to get your kids to become seekers uh, and peekers. Um, and just that you're, you know, you're someone who is clearly not content with what is happening uh, in education and you are actively trying to do something about it. And on top of just your awesome classroom, uh, you also have a really amazing blog uh, called Unlearn With Us, and and I just love that name. Uh, But again, thank you for being on, so let's just get right to it. So I always like to start with trying to see what, if there was a particular kind of singleton moment that really propelled you out of this um, Okay, you know, I'm just going through the motions as a teacher, but now I know I have to do something more. Can you pin down just one moment, or was it a gradual progression for you? Uh, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I've had lots of conversations with teachers, and, and I mean, it, it took me a while to sort of figure out and pinpoint that moment. Uh-huh. Um, but I was not a fantastic student. I wasn't a horrible student. I was kind of that middle student who I think was pretty disengaged. Um, I was often told that I uh, wasn't, not necessarily that I wasn't smart enough, uh, but I wasn't following the rules. I wasn't doing the right thing. Ultimately, I didn't fit into that box. Yeah. Um, so I became a teacher for the reason that I wanted to change things. So I think right from the get-go, I knew that I wanted to be a little bit different. Um and I think, for the most part, uh, teachers that I interact with get into teaching for totally different reasons in that they were really good students and they loved school and they um, th- they wanted to continue, you know, sort of giving that experience to, to the students today. Um, so I think that, I mean, I do actually have one moment in high school where I had a teacher tell me that I wasn't... Uh, or that jocks, I, I, I played competitive sport, and that jock should not be in advanced English. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think I think that play has played a huge role in uh, 
and one of the reasons why I wanted to be different. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny because you know you know we and I I don't know I was I was following what you're doing and I just I knew we we had this kind of invisible connection but I, I I was the exact same way I didn't uh I wasn't a great student and it's not because um I didn't want to be or that I perhaps couldn't have been but um just that traditional sit down and do what you're supposed to do and spit out the facts uh thing just wasn't working for me and so I love that you it seems like you kind of took that uh, mentality, and then you were ready, like just from the beginning, to flip that upside down. Yeah, and I mean, again, this has been like what I'm doing today has been a very gradual sort of thing. Um, I, I mean, I, I got into teaching, and I'm I, again, I've been reflecting on this a lot. Teaching, I think, is a lot like parenting in that uh, where do you learn how to parent? Well, you learn how to parent from your own parents. Where do you learn how to teach? Well, you learn from what you went through. You learn from the teachers that you had. Yeah. Um, so I think when I went into it, I was really trying to be, you know, I did have a handful of teachers that I did really like, and I was trying really hard to be like them as opposed to the majority of them that were a little more traditional. So even in the beginning, I was still a traditional teacher, you know, I did still teach history by standing up and doing a PowerPoint, and I was very passionate about, you know, teaching about the First World War and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I definitely, even though I was doing that traditional thing, I was trying to find what are some ways that I can engage the student that was like me, you know, where we would go outside and we would, you know, play in the trenches and we would eat, you know, we would make trench meals and we would throw things at each other and... <laughs> Or we would have a fashion show to show off. Uh, we would do tie-dye T-shirts so that we could, uh, you know, look at the uh, hippie movement and stuff like that. So there was a little more hands-on, but there was still, I still gave tests. I still did PowerPoints. I still did sit in rows and listen to me and work in your desk. Um, but it's it, that, so I have been teaching for um, 15 years. Okay. And uh, it's only been, I would say, I mean, it's been an evolution. Um, and in my blog, I do, I, I do talk about sort of the people that, um, you know, the progressive educators who I've come across, um, that have really sort of sparked why I'm doing this. And it was my, it, to pinpoint this major change, I would say came in, uh, I think it was in 2011. Um, and I was exposed to Sir Ken Robinson for the first time in his TED talk on, you know, skill, uh, school kills all creativity. And I remember just sitting there going, oh, my God, yes. Like, this is what I've been thinking, but I didn't even know that somebody else out there was thinking it. Yeah. And uh, and then since then, it's just been sort of each year, it's been a little more, you know, going the student-centered and me, you know, taking a step back. But, um, again, it's been, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, that uh, I was just talking with a group of people yesterday that had had not seen the the TED talk that you're referring to. And and I'm not I think it's the number one number one TED talk uh, of all time. So, um, you know, what I love the most about um, 
what you do is that you have you've taken this concept um, of innovation and just really you know disrupting things in the classroom and um, so so I've kind of cheated and I've done it uh, to and I have my own class that's just based on innovation but you have done what is arguably a lot harder and you have taken the core content class that everyone has to have and you have made it um, innovative so could you talk about some of the specifics of how you've done that? Yeah, so I was actually just having a conversation with some of the kids. I teach in a, a very small specialized program, so I've been very fortunate that I'm the only social science teacher in that program. Okay. Um, so I have some grade 12 students who are taking their sixth course with me. Um, and I would say probably in their sort of high school career, um, what we're doing today has really evolved as a result of, you know, sort of my professional reading and watching videos and that sort of thing. But it's also been really, like, a huge part of it has been these students who have been with me and have been through this whole thing and getting their take on it and them being a part of this transformation and evolution uh, and that sort of thing. So going back, say, three years ago to when I really sort of decided we were going to do um, more inquiry-based you know, the catchphrase. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it was sparked by, again, it was another video I came across. It was the Independent Project. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, it's a school in uh, Massachusetts where the students kind of approached their uh, administration and said, you know, we want to run our own school and we want to do it this way. And, you know, we need teacher mentors, but ultimately we want to learn what we want to learn. And, you know, we're going to be accountable, accountable for each other. Um, and that sort of thing. So I was really, really inspired by that. Um, so I decided, okay, so grade 10 history, uh, you know, I'm going to let them, we're going to do these inquiries where in, in this independent project, each kid would ask, uh, a question that they were interested in. And, you know, one kid was looking at, you know, why does an airplane fly? Or uh, another kid wanted to know more about, um, I don't know, it was a social movement of some sort. Uh, but they had to relate it to, you know, either social science or science or math or English. And so I was like, well, I can do this in history. So I will teach them a unit. And I'll, you know, going back to uh, I'll teach them about Canada and the First World War, and uh, and from there, you know, I'll expose them to all the different sort of aspects that I would normally in a traditional classroom. But then when it comes down to them actually, you know, doing something, they're going to choose whatever it is that they really want to dive into. Because, you know, one kid might really love technology, while another kid might, you know, really want to look at women and sports and, you know, like all those sorts of things. So... They, we went through, and this is where we sort of developed what we call our inquiry process, where we use the social scientific research method. Mm -hmm. And we went and we went through, and we, um, you know, taught them to create a question and a hypothesis, and and then we really delved into uh, research, you know, and how do you find credible sources? Uh, because I, you know, I was no longer going to be. Uh, the holder of all knowledge because they don't they they don't need me they've got all this information at their fingertips so you know what what is a credible source so then you know we did a lot of that and 
And they ultimately had to answer their question. It could be like, you know, why were women treated the way that they were? And, um, and so they would spend, you know, a couple weeks sort of just researching this sort of thing. And then they would do a little, you know, they could uh, do whatever they wanted to show what they had uh, learned. And there were guiding questions and there was actually quite a bit of structure. Ultimately, they were getting the choice of what it was that they wanted to learn. So that's kind of where it started, um, and, I, and it was still fairly traditional in that I gave, you know, that they had to do, uh, they had to do an essay, they had to do a test, they had to do whatever, but they got the choice of sort of their major assignment. And then, you know, fast forward, uh, I would say three years from that, and to get to where we are today, and again, a lot of those kids are in grade 12 now. Uh, and I have been a huge part of, you know, what did you like about that? What did you not like about that? And, and more professional reading. Um, I, I came across the idea of, you know, we need to, we need to make our students into global citizens and we need to make, they need to be informed and they need to really have a, a, a feel for, um, you know, what other people are going through. So I decided that no matter what course, I was teaching in social sciences, it was going to be issue-based. And uh, so just to stay with the grade 10 history, uh, what they, they do now is they do sort of that inquiry process, but I am no longer focusing it on one unit. Um, I teach the, the Canada in the 20th century in the first or in the second two weeks uh, of my classes. And um, they will, we will do the traditional sort of some PowerPoints and whatever. And they literally are learning for the sake of learning. There is no note taking. There is no test. Uh, they are actually tweeting, which that's another component as we've got in social media. Uh, they're tweeting about what they're learning so that other people can see it. Um, and then from there, we we dive into our inquiry process, and they are asked. To, there's five steps. The first step is that they have to pick a current issue that they are either passionate about, you know, maybe their family is involved in something, or they, you know, have a sibling or a fam- whatever family member, um, or uh, uh, an issue that they feel that they are could be passionate about, or something that they'd like to learn about. And from there, they have to um, sort of can- we call it a campaign. They have to campaign on behalf of this issue, and uh, they have to learn as much as they can. They have to uh, create some type of uh, media piece that's going to um, get people to really want to follow their campaign, because, again, we're using social media. They have to connect with people throughout the world who are also interested in this issue. Um, we've, uh, we've brought in social media experts to sort of teach us, you know, how to use Twitter properly and how to make, you know, create a network and all this sort of stuff. And then, um, and then once they've kind of set up and created this media piece and get it out to the world, they are then uh, asked to connect it to the course. So for these great pens, they have to go back in the 20th century to understand why the issue that they're looking at is an issue uh, still today and where it all came from. Love that. Um, so, I mean, I can, uh, there's, there's 
all kinds that we're doing. So they're right now they're in the process of, uh, of, of researching and doing that sort of thing. So an example would be uh, one of the girls in my class is a, a hockey player, and, and we've had lots of debates about, you know, the fact that women's sports aren't valued and they're not getting paid the same amount. And, you know, she plays at the highest level of women's hockey sort of for her age group. And, you know, the boys that are in the class, they – they are doing the same thing and they get their stuff paid for and the girls have to pay for it themselves. And anyways, so she's advocating on behalf of the fact that we, that, that women's sports should be valued. Well, now she's going to go back in history. Why aren't women's sports valued at the same as men? And she's going to find out, you know, sort of all the different things that have happened in history uh, in relationship to women. And she's going to campaign on behalf of that. So that's, that's part of it. It's, I mean, it's just, I'm just sitting here like, of course you can't see me, but I'm just like shaking my head. Like, it's just, it's so great to hear that. And I think, you know, I, I just, I have to get you and here because you're in such a unique position because you've essentially had these kids from, uh, you know, like the middle school age to, you know, when they're seniors in high school. And I think you, you have... You can have a great insight here. So a lot of what I hear, um, so I'm an eighth grade uh, teacher, and, and I teach civics, but I also teach the, the innovation class. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of times what people say, and it, this kind of goes to like a whole risk and, and fear piece, but, um, you know, they don't really know where to start. And so they, you know, you, yeah. you say things like innovation, you say things like student voice, and then a lot of people think that <clears throat> that just means, all right, hey, here's this project, go do it. And so I'm interested in like how you... Like in hindsight, how would you scaffold it? Like, would what? Like, you know, would you start when they're eleven years old? Would you start when they're twelve, thirteen, and then like, how does that look different from the beginning to essentially the end as a senior in high school? Uh, again, this is something that I've been really trying to think about myself. In um, that, we constantly, I know, in our school, we have. Uh, discussions about the fact that, you know, we expect by the time that they're in grade 12 that they should be able to uh, keep track of, you know, what they're doing. They should know when homework's due. They should know how to self-regulate. They should, you know, but they don't, and they, they lack a lot of these skills. Um, and in my opinion, we don't allow for them to actually work on these skills because we're so content driven and in you know in fairness to teachers they feel obligated that they have to cover you know this content or curriculum yeah that we never actually take a step back and let them sort of just figure it out you know like with with the support of the teacher um so you're asking you know when should that start I think it needs to start pretty early. Um, I've been working recently, um, and this is somebody else you should totally check out, is um, uh, a private school that just opened up here in Ottawa uh, by two public school teachers who just said enough is enough. Like, I just, I want to be doing this sort of thing, but I just can't do it, and I need to start my own school. Um, They're called Blue Sky School, 
and they have students uh, that I believe are the youngest is about grade five age to okay. grade eight, and it is completely self-regulated, and they uh, they are teaching these kids, and it's not easy because. I mean, it's not easy at the high school level either, but especially when they're younger, it's not easy to allow them sort of all this control, but they have to learn it. Like, if we don't ever allow them, they're never going to be able to have these skills. Um, So I think it needs to start earlier because I do get, so again, I have these kids often, I'll have some of them, you know, grade 10, 11, and 12. By the time they're in grade 12, not that they're perfect by any means, but I can definitely see the difference between those who have kind of gone through this process compared to the kids who just kind of sign up and take my course in grade 12. It takes them a little bit to get caught up. Yeah. So I think that's a perfect that's a perfect segue. So and you know I I could definitely speak to this, but I'm interested to see what you will say. So, you know, a lot of times. People, teachers, principals, central office staff, whomever, they think that this transition um, is without um, messiness, and they think that uh, you know everything. You know, the end. A lot of times, people just see the end result. You know, the product outcome, and um, they think that everybody is at least in my class, engaged a hundred percent of the time, every single minute of every day. So. Uh, what do you think about, like, is it, is it always perfect for you? Because, you know, it sounds great, but what is kind of like the day-to-day like? Like, what's, what are some kind of headaches that you still have, even though that what you're doing is clearly the right thing for kids? <laughs> so you can't see me right now, but I'm laughing yeah. a lot. And if my, when, when my students hear this, they're going to laugh a lot as well. Uh, is it perfect? It is definitely not perfect. Right. Um, there are, uh, there are so many days that I go home and question what I'm doing, um, where I, you know, I was just saying to the kids today, you know, there are days where I know that you are sitting there doing nothing. And as a teacher, right, that's ingrained in me, like that drives me crazy, right, because they're not doing what I'm telling them to do or what they said they were going to do or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, and I know that there are other people uh, who look at my class and say, you know, like, I just can't handle that. I cannot, I can't, I'm not okay with that. I can't let them sit there and do nothing. Part of what I'm trying to do and I'm hoping that it is, and I am seeing some success, uh, is that, If I don't, again, it goes back to, if I don't allow them to sit there and do nothing, then they're never going to to learn how to manage their time, right? If I am constantly on them, if I am constantly giving them timelines, if I am constantly, you know, you need to do this, then you need to do this, then you need to do this, and you're not working right now, so I'm going to sit here and tell you that you need to do this, this, and this. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm ultimately not teaching them how to self-regulate. So it is, it is messy. It is, it is hard as a teacher, but one of the things that I'm doing to try and sort of get around this is that 
and again, some people may not agree with this, some teachers may not agree, is that whatever they're working on, I am not going to actually assess their final product or whatever it is that they, um, you know, like in my, what I was just explaining before, they create these media pieces, they do a campaign, there are guidelines for them, you know, to have a successful campaign, and this is what I'm expecting you to do, uh, and that sort of thing. We talk about, like, what is your ultimate goal? Your ultimate goal, and, you know, they brainstorm, and that sort of thing, is to make people aware, to get my message out there, to, to prove that, you know, I can be 15 years old and have a message and make a difference. Uh, that sort of thing. So we, we put that, you know, sort of as this is our goal by the end of this campaign. Nowhere in there do I assess their final product. Do I, I, I give them uh, continual feedback on their Twitter because that's how I can track what each kid is doing because they're all tweeting about what they're doing. Um, but we do a reflection at the end. And it's what I'm assessing is their ability to reflect to say you know what I really slacked off here I should have done this we're going to do another one so next time I'm going to do xyz and then we keep track of that so that when they go and do the next one when I go to assess them I'm going to say you said you were going to do this so did you do it yeah why didn't you do it you know so the assessment is is on like their ability to actually follow through and do what it is that they that, that they said that they were going to do. Um, so again, is it is it messy? It is definitely. And that's why I say my classroom is controlled chaos. It may look like total chaos to other people, but I say it's controlled chaos. Yeah, it's just, it's so true. And, you know, I, I just, I get that so much. And, you know, like people, so we're like, what we're doing is something, you know, we have 72 schools in, in our school system. And, you know, we're, we're a suburb of, of Richmond, the capital here. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have just, we almost have new visitors every single day. And, you know, They'll come in and it like I don't even get a heads up anymore when people are coming in, but they'll come in and you know like one kid will be over here like at my desk on my computer like changing my playlist around like putting stuff in my coffee yeah. to try to be funny like other ki- like and so like I even had a te- I had a teacher come in today um, and actually shush my kids because like they just they didn't know how to handle it even as even as a guest, but, you know, like I said, and like you're saying, it's just, it's not for everyone, but it only benefits the kids. And you talked about that self-reflection piece, and that's a cornerstone of what I try to do. And I mean, that's, that's the real world, right? Like, yes, you'll have a boss that tells you that if what you're doing is up to par or not, but at the end of the day, you know, if you want to keep your job or you want to keep progressing, you have to look in the mirror and you have to really decide if you're being as effective as you can be. And so it's just, I love hearing that that is the, the most, you know, the big focal point for how you assess what they're learning. Yeah. So I got to ask, you've had these kids for a long time. So how has the feedback from these parents 
uh, change from like the beginning kind of shock and awe stage, like, wait, you're doing, you're doing what in the classroom with my kids to now that they've known you for a while? Uh, wh- what are they saying from start to finish? Again, I've been really fortunate that I've never really had any parents say, what are you doing? I have a feeling they're saying it at home with the students, and they've never really said it to me. Uh-huh. Um, one, of, one of the things that I, I do, and, and I'm, maybe this helps in, in that, is that I have a, a, a long email that I've composed that I send to all my parents at the beginning Essentially, this was before I actually started my blog. I might start sending my blog to them. Um, but outlining ultimately why I think things are, you know, working in our current education system, what I'm going to be doing, and why I'm going to be doing it. And most parents, like most, I've had quite a few emails saying, this is refreshing, this is great. Like, this does really reflect the real world. Now, and then we have a big social science fair at the end, and oftentimes parents will come and we get people from the community to come in and the kids talk about what they've done, and everybody is just blown away with sort of what the kids are are able to, how they articulate themselves, and the parents love it, and they think it's great, and uh, that sort of thing. Um, I think one of the reasons I can get away with it so easily is that I teach social sciences. Yeah. Um, I think I think if I was teaching a uh, science or a math or a grade twelve English, which every single kid in the school has to take in order to be able to get into post secondary, uh, I think there would be a little more pushback. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think for the most part, the parents that I have spoken to are are really excited. For, for stuff like this to be happening and, and to see that their their kids, and especially those kids, that the ones that I'm fighting for, the ones that are like you and, and me, are actually engaged, right? They're not they're not bad kids. They my principal says we call them the invisible kids, right? They're not they're not the low like the the, the ones that are at risk that the you know our province spend lots of money on and I'm glad that they do and they need they need to you know so they get lots of recognition not recognition they get a lot of help you know our honors students they get all kinds of recognition because they get on honor roll and they have assemblies for them and that sort of thing but it's the kids in the middle that are the invisible kids who are just they're there they're doing what they have to do to kind of get by they're not causing a huge ruckus but they're so disengaged. Um, so I feel that I get a lot of those parents who come to me and are just like, oh, this is, this is awesome. Like, they're coming home and they're excited about what they're doing. And um, so that, that is really refreshing. Um, yeah. And I think that the fact that I have a lot of these kids who have come back year after year, because they don't have to because my courses are elective. Okay. Um, not, they're not in grade 10. Grade 10 is mandatory. They have to take the grade 10 uh, Canadian history, but in grade 11 and 12, those courses are elective. So the fact that some of them have come back year after year, uh, I think says something in, uh, that, they, that they are enjoying what we're doing. 
So I want to ask you about your blog and uh, in particular the the name of your blog. So what what is the name of your blog and then why did you choose that as the title? Uh, okay, so again, I've been trying to, or sorry, the name of my blog is Unlearn With Us. And uh, I've been trying to, I've been going through this sort of, I don't know, self-reflection over the last, like, five years. And I, I, I have been on this crusade to change education, and I feel that I often am alone, and I'm banging my head and getting doors slammed in my face, and people just don't want don't want to hear it. So I've, you know, really contemplated, like, is my, am I... My message wrong? Is is the way I'm going about it wrong? Like, am I offending people or that sort of thing? So uh, I do have a colleague here who I've, you know, had a lot of conversations with, and we, you know, talked about the blog and you know what I was going to call it. And actually, the blog was inspired by one of my students um, because he put a blog out, uh, and um, I talked to him a lot about it and my classes. And um, I stumbled upon, through following Edutopia, I think it was, or Mindshift, uh, a, a bunch of articles on, on learning and what it was, and that there was uh, an organization uh, through Harvard that uh, was going into a school and uh, taking their entire staff through an unlearning process. And what I read from it was that Teachers and students alike need to ultimately forget everything they know about school, unlearn it, start over, and really look at what these kids need, you know, to be successful in our world today, and go from there. And so, again, trying to sort of figure out how how can I get this message out to people because, I, again, I'm on Twitter, I listen to, you know, podcasts, and I'm always so, you know, rejuvenated when I, you know, come across someone like yourself and Don Wetrick and, you know, all these other people that I'm following. And it's like, well, how do I get the people that are surrounding me on board with this or other people who are sort of on the fence about changing their ways and so then it came to me like, well, I'm going through this unlearning process. My students are going through this unlearning process. It's messy. We're trying it. It's not always like like you were asking before. It is, there's a lot of things that have failed in my class. There's been a lot of times I've gone home almost in tears. You know, I want people to see the raw sort of part of this, this change. And to see that, you know, taking risks, both students and teachers are so valuable in some of the amazing things that come out of it. So the whole concept of the blog is it's a place where I'm hoping teachers can go and read about my, my failures, what I learned from them, my successes, um, and potentially try some of the things that I'm doing or at least be... Um, inspired to try things, not necessarily what I'm doing, but maybe I, I've, you know, 
suggesting, you know, I watched this uh, video or I listened to this podcast or whatever, and maybe they'll listen to it and, and, and take a risk. So that's kind of where that all came from. Yeah, I love it, and and I love the title, and I love exactly what you're what you're trying to do, and it's just so you know I don't want whoever's listening to this to to gloss over this. You know, you you're basically talking about how you're you're going on this journey with them, uh, and that's so key. I think one of the biggest reasons why we don't have more things like this, and what we're talking about is not the norm, is because. Uh, we let the ego get in the way, and you know we have to be the one that that knows everything, and we can't admit that we we don't know it all, or we don't know even as much as the kid in our classroom. But you just got to be open to to that whole process. And I mean, I, I'm preaching to the choir, but you know when you when the kids feel like they're on the same level as you are, and, and you're looking at them not as kids, but just as humans and adults, and uh, just amazing things happen. So. Um, Again, what you're doing, it's um, yeah, it's it's inspiring to me. Um, I by no means uh, have it all figured out at all, um, but I love I love this. Like you, you know, you talk about going home some days and almost being in tears, but I'd also be willing to bet that you get excited every day for the next day to go and do what you do. And and I just I get we have a, a day day one and day two schedule. So I see my innovation class every other day. And on the days that I teach this class, I mean, I wake up with a different kind of energy than on the days that I don't get to teach this class. For sure. Yeah. And I, I'm always surprised. There are days where I go in and I'm thinking, oh, yesterday was not a good day. And I'm kind of down and whatever. And then something will happen. And it's just like, like kids will make a connection to something or they'll They'll just be super excited about something, and they just they bring it all back, right? And then you remember why you're doing it, and and that sort of thing. But I, yeah, I totally. I'm very fortunate that I get to see all my classes every day, so um, I don't, I don't, I don't get a chance to miss them. Although we do have a four day weekend coming up, which is good for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. We have uh, we have our spring break next week, and uh, every, everybody has that date on the calendar for sure. But uh, I'll be excited to come yeah. back. Uh, so, look, um, yeah. I, I, I sincerely appreciate you again. I, uh, I've kind of started this new little twist on on my podcast. Uh, so, what we're doing is you know like really important, life changing work. Um, but I want to I want to end on something a little bit more lighthearted. So, I uh, shout out again to Vogue magazine for letting me steal some of their questions without asking them about it at all. Uh, so this is kind of the rapid fire round. So I just have a few random questions for you, and I just want you to try to answer them as quickly as possible. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So a book that you've read that has positively shaped you. Um book that I've read that has positively shaped me, uh, The Wonder Wall by Peter Gamwell. Okay. Scale of one to ten, even though I feel like I know the answer. How excited are you about life right now? Uh, ten. Who should everyone, except for um, you, Rebecca Chambers, and, and your school and your school district, who should everyone be following right now in the education space? 
Yeah, and I, I, you know, he would be, he's, he's go-to in my mind. I mean, he's, he's uh, not the most critical piece, um, but he is, he is way up there with me doing what I'm doing now. So uh, shout out to Don. Yeah. Um, all right, now this is, a t- this is a tough one. Coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. All right, favorite band of all time? Canadian band. Okay. If you could sing a duet with anyone, who would it be? Oh, boy. Well, nobody wants to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think right now it would be Pink. All right. Best hockey team in Canada? Well, I have to say the Ottawa Senators, although they <laughs> suck right now, I think. <laughs> All right, so three people that are alive or dead that you would like to have dinner with. Um, I'd have to go back to Pink. I love her. I love what she stands for. Uh, who else? Justin Trudeau. I think that would be pretty cool, our Prime Minister. Okay. And dead or alive. Uh, I think maybe Janice Joplin. Nice. All right, so this one, this just came to me, and I'm doing this for your students because you said they're going to listen. Who do you think is the most popular musician in their eyes right now? Oh, God. I have no idea. I don't know the name of anything. I don't know. All I know is they're obsessed with Fortnite. Oh, my gosh. Same, same good. Oh, man. (laughs) I tell you. Yes. So, all right. So back to the, the dinner question. You would eat dinner with those people. Where would you go and eat? What, like your restaurant. What, what's the name of it? Uh, I take them to, I live in a small town outside of Ottawa called Osgood. I take them to the local pub there called the Red Dot. Nice. All right. Get you out of here on this one. What is the best advice that you've ever received? Oh, God, best advice I've ever received. These are hard. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, if somebody specifically, I actually I think I was just listening to this and I've heard it. It's just like, don't overthink things. That's good advice. All right, so I know how I found you, and we talked about your blog, Unlearn With Us, but um, Rebecca, please tell everybody who's tuning into this for the first time uh, or really wants to learn more about what you're doing, where they can find you. Uh, So uh, I can be found on Twitter. Uh, My handle is Mrs. R. Chambers, Um, and you can follow our class hashtag. We have three of them, Um, JMSS. HPA 10, and then it's the same thing for 11 and 12. Uh, but you can also find me on my blog with, at unlearnwithus.com. All right. Rebecca Chambers, thank you for being on the show, and best of luck with the rest of your year. Thank you. I really appreciate this. This is amazing.
What's up, everybody? It's Bishoy, student in Mr. Vest Notification class. If you enjoyed the podcast today, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and turn on those notifications so you don't miss an episode on After Ed. Also, don't forget to check out Mr. Vest on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Vest RVA and our Notification class at Notivate HC. And I'm out.